You want me to talk into that? <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast based on writers sitting around drinking coffee and or wine and talking about anything and everything. We may use explicit language and will almost certainly drop F-bombs, but none of that is the point or the drive of the content, so please consider us PG-13. There will be rants and raves and occasional readings. There will be conflicting advice, creatively driven by at least three disparate points of view. This is episode 13, a recap of Worldcon Dublin. We have special guest Karen Brinchley, and in the background, the noise is from our web spider, David Welsh. Welcome. (laughs) Karen is pointing at Chaz, but nobody can see that. (laughs) Your hosts today are myself, Jeannie Warner, and Chaz Brinchley. (laughs) Okay, good. I am deeply jealous, as I told everybody for the last few episodes, that you guys went over to Dublin, Ireland, and Worldcon. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We Dublinized. Was it everything I dreamed? It was even more everything you dreamed. Do you know who the first person we saw and talked to when we when we arrived at the hotel? No. Charlie Strauss. Ah, Charlie, <laughs> I miss you and I love you and you've never met me and I know. But remember I proposed that one time via email? So I just want to bring that up to remind you. His, his wife might object. That's what he said. <laughs> I've met his wife. I bet she's amazing. He is my harbinger of doom. In, in, doom in what way? Because he writes novels, his laundry files that have somehow turned into this future-seeing, alternative, yes. despotic idea of how politics in the world works. Yes, and, and it just is. And it just is that way, and the yep. more we currently get the people in power, the more Charlie needs to stop writing so we can all vote them out. It's, it's, I mean, I'm sorry, Charlie, I love you, but... No, 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 he's, he, I think he is stopping writing those and doing something different. Oh, thank yeah. God, because he was bringing about the end of the world. Uh, somebody may have mentioned this to him, and he's, <sighs> he's changing course as we speak. Okay, yeah. Can you so reverse course and write about a utopia for us? Yeah, oh, Charlie, we could use some utopian writing. Yeah, the trouble with the utopian writing is it's always boring. I don't know, I liked his Merchant uh, Princess very much. Yeah, do you think that's a utopia? Well, it would be for me if I had a time machine. Yeah. Are you kidding? Okay. It was um, awesome. I mean, yeah, I mean, Ian Banks's culture novels are a utopia for me, and and indeed for Ian. But but for the most part, this is this is a point that I have held to for thirty odd years. That most utopian. I mean, this is why people write dystopian fiction. It's easier because it's much much easier because utopia tends to come out boring. Um, I, da, 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 da. Even the, even the planet of the happy jogging blondes from from Star Trek New Generation episode my first season the happy jogging blonde planet where somebody <laughs> left the stepped on the grass and was up for death that was um, that was Wesley and no one minded because it was Wesley and they were hoping but you know later on Wesley got better we I like, always loved Wesley we like Will Wheaton hi Will yes we love Will Wheaton but I always liked Wesley because he was a teenager and I like teenage fiction. Well, he's a, he I was say? a geek. He was yeah. a teenage geek. Yeah. And if they would just have kept writing him that way, it would have been better. His mom was a total MILF. Well, yeah. Dr. Crusher. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. The clue is in the name? Those of us who like redheads, you know. Steady. Just saying. So you walked in, you saw Charlie Strauss. We, we walked in. We saw you didn't Charlie. hug him from me, I take it. Who else? You saw Katie, I see. We saw Katie Murphy. We saw Jeff Ryman. Oh. No, 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 no. Um, this is this was the thing about the way we did Worldcon because we're best. How did you do Worldcon? We did Worldcon by getting a room in the hotel closest to the convention center, 
um, and then almost never actually going to the convention centre because we could hang out in uh, the, the ground floor of, of our hotel was basically a lounge stroke bar stroke restaurant um, and, and, and we never needed to move really because everybody came to us and in the other thing, the reason we got that close um, thing is because I use a walker and we discovered that you could take a cab from the front of the hotel, the three blocks to the convention center, and the cabbies were friendly and nice and none of them were crazy. It's like, can we, can we transport them to San Francisco? <laughs> oh, we can just transport ourselves to Ireland. Um, but, but no, it was... I mean, yeah, it's, we could take... Um, Karen couldn't walk. We established on the first day Karen couldn't walk that far. Um, and we could take cabs, but it was kind of embarrassing. So I was, you know, I was glad that people would come to us. Well, the thing is, we didn't go to panels. I had a whole long list of panels. The first panel I was going to go to was one by Brother Gaikin, uh, who's the... Consul Mania. Thank you. I can't mm. pronounce that. I know, but I who, can. Who is the um, Vatican's astronomer, and he was going to give this talk on science, religion, and storytelling, and I was ready to go. And they had a separate site. There was a six-minute trolley ride away that you then had to walk miles and miles to get to the rooms and that kind of thing. And and so I had other people complain about that, too, because it, it interrupted things. And then, of course, it was a busy world con, so there were long, long lines to get into panels, just like last year. Um, and so we hung out in the room full of, giant room full of books, okay, which uh, I think... Are you okay? Yeah. We, we survived. <laughs> Some of the books did not. Some of the books were seized oh, and well, hauled home. That, that but happens. not many. Not many, really. Not many for us. For us. For us. We were we were restrained. Well, one of the one of the things I like um, New Compress. Okay, I like Ian Waits and New Compress, and he tends to publish my friends. Okay, which right there just you know, plus he's it, my it friend. It endears you, you know. Yeah, he's yeah. my friend, and we got Carrie Sparing's new novella was one of them. Yes, I'm of course immediately blanking on some others. Uh, we um, that liner notes will appear because Karen will tell me uh, yes. tomorrow, and I will put them in and write them up. Yes, yes, we will give you we'll give you lots. We'll of give you a full list of what we bought, what absolutely. we should have bought. Absolutely. After all, your your reading list should be entirely driven by people we talk about. So Hell yeah! I you know. Well, actually, for this uh, one of the one of the <laughs> draws was. Was Dublin is not that far uh, compared to um, uh, to Sunnyvale from Newcastle, and so quite a few of our friends from you know the United Kingdom were there. And, and I mean, it was it was the lovely thing about Dublin generally is that because it was Dublin, half our American friends came over, mm -hmm. um, and because it was Dublin, half our British friends came over. So we got to see an awful lot of people Yay. without really having to work very hard. I yes. know. And if I hadn't gone to Venice, I was going to go to Dublin, but yes. I went to Venice. Yeah, Why did you go to Venice? Because it was free. Okay. We don't hate you at all. No. I know. Right. Well, the thing is, you know, also for, for you know, this sounds like name dropping, but it was just kind of what happened. Mm -hmm. but one of the last dinners there, we happened to run into um, some of Chaz's friends, um, uh, Brian Talbot and Dr. Mary Talbot, his wife, who do these fabulous... Um, Novel, illustrated novels, and they'd completed one. But he used to do all of their proofreading. I did. And plus, they're just their buds. And then, and they said, okay, we'll have dinner. And then Chaz ran into Ginny and Ramsey Campbell, 
And we all had dinner, and I'm sitting there going, boy, do I feel like an insignificant <laughs> speck upon the ground having dinner with these people. But they're also my friends. So that's one of the things about Worldcon is, is you're surrounded by these incredibly talented people whose work you've read, and they've just been names on the page. But they're just, you know, fun people to hang out and talk to and have dinner with or have a drink with. I found that when I bark hunt and sat next mm-hmm. to Tim Powers. Mm-hmm. Right. And we were yeah, exactly. <laughs> going yeah. wildly giggling is, about something. And I don't remember what it was, but yeah. three or four drinks later, Madeline finally introduced the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that happened to me, too. I so, love bark hunt. So we were in a bar, and, and Heather um, Heather Jones, who we've mentioned before and is a very good writer, who was there from America, and I was talking to her, and she was sitting next to a woman who seemed very smart and very nice. And she was wearing, from name tag, it just said her name was Sarah. And uh, and then she got up to leave, and I went, you're Sarah Pinsker. Yeah. I love your stuff. You know, it's been nominated for multiple Hugos the last couple of years. And she's just this nice young woman. And, and, yep. and Heather said, ah, oh, you check something off on your list. Because I guess she had a list of things she wanted to happen and, at Worldcon, and one of them was to have someone say, oh, my God, you're Sarah <laughs> Pinsker. I love your stuff. So... Um, I will go around telling everybody, oh, my God, you're Sarah Pinsker. I love your stuff. You just point me at them, and I'm there for you. Okay. okay. Well, that's why the name badges are handy. But anyway. Name and then badges she, and then, are lovely. Everyone should name wear name badges all the time. It's true. It is completely true. And then that sort of little flick of the eyes down, down, and, down my and, own, and up you know, um, yeah. will just become... A normal way of meeting someone. Yeah. Um, and not pervy at all. And not pervy <laughs> at all. Exactly my point. Uh-huh. That's right. Well, everybody has a rack. If by rack we mean name tag. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. New definition. New definition. So so you didn't do any of the panels at all. And I, we, I had we, to say, I, I kind of wanted to say, on panels, we should talk about panels. Because some of them are awesome. And some of them are Oh dear God, let me give an excuse at the what? back. You know, you, you ought to have a friend call and say, Okay, if I text you something, I need you to call me and tell me there's an emergency so that I can get out of this panel without offending anybody. Yeah, but but the mere the mere fact of their calling you will offend somebody because you know, you're in a panel oh, and yeah, you don't I mean, want your phone going off. Strangers. I mean, what do we care what a stranger well, thinks? Well, if we don't care well, what a stranger thinks, then why don't we just walk out of the panel? Yeah. Well, one of the best panels that I'm just kicking myself for missing was um, Ellen Kushner. Uh, she wrote the Ballad of... Swords Point, didn't she? She did write Swords Point, but yeah. she also she also did a... Uh, uh, the Ballad of Thomas the Rhymer. Right. Oh, yeah, and she yeah, was yeah, talking about one. her influence of Ballad of Thomas the Rhymer, and then she sang it. Yes. Okay. And I missed that one. That yes. was a last-minute addition to the program. There was, was, there, was there was a debate. To Thomas on, sat on Huntley Bank, that one. That's almost the certainly the one. Yeah. Um, no, there was there was a debate on, on Facebook beforehand whether whether or not she should sing. And the weight of, oh, the, weight of always, the internet fell you know, upon her. Yeah. Yes. You should always sing. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, so, so that, was, that, was one I, that was one I was very sorry to have missed. I mean, there, I mean, but part of the problem with panels is, like you said, it's it can be hit or miss, okay? And again, if there's like two or three of my friends on the panel and that I know well enough that I'll know, okay, that will be worthwhile. They will make it worthwhile because I know that they're smart and whatever. But some of them that sound like they might be really cool may not be. So, yeah. um, I'm personally, I mean, I have I have retired from panels. Um, That's noble. I, I think so, um, because I I have never liked talking impromptu. 
um, it's not my thing. This whole this podcast, whole podcast thing, thing, yeah, not my thing. But I you're was, doing great. I was bullied into it. <laughs> it's true. Um, I'm such a bully. I, I I should not have said yes because you know I get anxious. However, however, hello. I agree that you get anxious and and really hate panels, but yes. never give up readings. I never give up readings. Yeah, I like reading. He reads um, so well because I have a text. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, but but I mean, occasionally there have been panels that I've thoroughly enjoyed, like the time um, my late friend Ian Banks was a guest ghost of honor at Foccon, um, and they did a panel about him, and of course they had to, they had to have me on it, um, and I think my every contribution began with so there was this time Ian and I were in the pub. And da da da, because that's the entirety of my relationship with him. We, well, I could see that. It's, we hung out you know, in pubs. Yeah. 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 Well, and one of the advantages of of spending so much time in our pub, our restaurant, right there in the hotel we were staying in, is again, everyone was really nice, and the really nice staff there remembered us. Yes. The, I, I think the hard part is that, you know, when you have a small circle of, like, I, I bark on myself. Yeah. And if anybody comes and sits with me and hangs out and entertains with me, I buy them drinks. And Certainly. that seems like a, a good, worthy Entirely thing to reasonable. do. Yeah. The problem is, is I think we all get terribly f- funny and clever, and it doesn't really get reported for posterity or anything. And so all the people who might have really enjoyed knowing what Chaz Brinchley is like, you know, will yeah. we'll miss um, that gem, that glory, is, that moment. There you is know? this thing that has been going on in in conventions for decades now, where some conventions religiously record everything. Um, And these days, of course, it's easier, and and they can put it all up on the internet in moments, whereas, you know, 30 years ago, there are simply tape recordings. It's true. I I listened to Ursula Vernon's acceptance speech from over in Finland, and... Oh, I heard it was so funny. Yeah, yes. I'm sure. I mean, there are there are exceptions, there are examples, um, but for the most part, people post everything, and I wonder who the hell is ever going to listen to that. Ooh, I'll tell you. There's oh. it's that's where you get word of mouth. That's when you say, "Oh my gosh, Ellen Clages killing time, telling the story of the Thanksgiving." Oh, ham. oh God, the the, the the horrible ham. The horrible ham. That, yeah, that's amazing. That was a magnificent yes. moment. And yes, so yes, I yes. tell that, and now I'm going to have to find it and link to it. Because yes, you are. There, Alan, is, God, you were funny. There is, there is a version so with pictures on the internet. Fantastic. Yeah, um, so... Yeah, the actual well, ham is terrifying to behold. Well, the thing, too, about if you know that Ellen Clages is going to be on the panel, or if you know that Jeff Ryman is going to be on the panel, oh, dear God, be, or, or Sean and McGuire, <laughs> oh, dear God, go to the panel. Okay, because those people by themselves can carry on the panel, and when they're with others to to riff off of, or with the, or if there's two like them together, oh dear God, that's the panel to be at. Or or really funny panels like Carrie Vaughn and and this other guy over at a panel, and it was uh, werewolves. It was simply called werewolves or vampires, and it was up at okay. the Steam Con up in okay. Seattle. Yeah, and. Halfway through it, somebody said, you know, really what this boils down to is bestiality or necrophilia, which then we realized that the entire discussion was over and brilliantly thereby because (laughs) those into bestiality were never going to convince people that necrophilia was the way to go and vice versa. And vice versa, yeah. 
Yeah. And half of them weren't, weren't going to admit their fetish to begin with. No, no, no. But but then it, it opened up different levels of discussion because now that we'd established that most important thing, <laughs> yes, we could we could discuss was one the common man was uh, Jekyll and Hyde really was somewhat of a of a werewolf story in his own way. It was uncontrollably it's letting the world. Completely a werewolf story. Well, it's the it is the trope of a werewolf. Yes, it's yes. the uncontrollably yes. turning into a beast. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure there was it's a, weird a generic werewolf notion before that. It was not a weird hedgehog. Well, there was in old shamanism. Yeah, there yeah, was no, no, old, no. There you know. were there were the there were the legends that um, he may have been working from to write Jekyll and Hyde and. There are, and those have those have been absorbed into the culture since. But, um, but in literature, in literature, absolutely, I I do not know of a previous example of what is obviously a werewolf story. I don't I don't know. I would I would argue that way back to a certain point, you once had lots of gods turned into animals all the time, and Certainly, that laid out the swan. But, but and those, it, it was, those are not werewolf stories. And it wasn't the same as the losing yourself in the bestial, yeah. horrible animal nature. And did that Just happen for a couple because of, days. of Hobbes' Leviathan, or do we blame a change? Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, okay, we solved that one. Okay, right. Well, there we go. So well done. Okay, come here for solutions to your panel problems. <laughs> so, so, but, but I know for many people, there's probably a lot of people that may have never been to a convention or a con, and many. I don't feel like we should talk them out of going because I think they're magnificent. Because it's fun. Yeah. Well, it's, so, it's, so the one of the things. So we're talking about WorldCon, which is like the biggest con. Yes, it okay, is. six thousand people. Yeah. Even oh, in Ireland. that's not as big as Dragon Con, which no, is no, no, well, but, but for the Dragon Con is not a convention uh, in the classic for literature. Sense. For literature. Um, and 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 no, for fans. Okay, um, yeah. Dragon Con is is a thing to itself and and basically commercialized. And the, it's a the, comic the, con of, yeah, of of comic cons. Yeah. Um, the thing about what, what I mean when I'm talking about conventions is that these are a product of fandom. They come out of the fan experience. They are, they are managed and run by fans, for fans, and we, the professionals, are... Um, yeah, we're an attractive margin, but it's not what people go for. I don't know. I, I have occasionally looked at them and said, ah, those are names that I would be interested in going to go, as opposed to, meh. Yeah, no, okay. Um, but well, the, yes, the, the on, template for the convention is you have these these writers or, or personalities of whatever type who are famous that you want to go see. So even if it's a, um, a, a, a fan convention, you still have to have those people, else it's not a convention, right? But also, you're going with friends. Okay, it's been a long time since I've just gone by myself to a convention when I was younger. You're going with, actually, I don't think I've ever gone by myself. You're going with friends. This becomes, it's a, it's not a, like reading a book by yourself. It's it's an experience, an experiential yeah. thing. And you, you build an experience because the audience will have questions. There will, sometimes some of the best part of the panels come from the audience, but it's a group thing. And you're talking about BarCon and we're talking about being in the bar. Yeah. So the first convention I went to in in England 
um, was by happenstance. I was uh, Carrie Sparing and I were going to Milford, and she was going to drop Chaz off at a convention in Nottingham. And I said, Nottingham? I've been to Sherwood Forest, but I haven't been to the castle. Let's go there. And so it was, a, and I, it was British Fantasy Con or something. But I was close. What about do you mean, that. or something? That's exactly <laughs> what it was. Okay, but but the convention, and I was like, okay, we we're staying across the street from the hotel because we just needed to to crash for the night. But we walked across the street to the to the hotel where the convention was, and the convention was going on in the bar. English conventions are bar cons. Yep. I met like half the you know British writers you know working just hanging out in the bar. Yeah, I mean that is that is absolutely the notion of a convention that I grew up with, and it is as as I repeat, it is basically fan driven. Um, people go there. I mean, okay. Um. The guests of honour will attract some people who would not have come otherwise, but that is a small percentage of the people who will go because it's a con, and because that way they will see all their friends in fandom. Um, it's it's a social endeavour. It is plus dealers' room. Plus, oh, yeah. the, um, the dealers' room helps again, <laughs> but people would go regardless. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first the first convention I ever went to had no dealer's room and no bar. Huh. Um, and what people went regardless. It was, I mean, it was in a, it was in a university campus and there were just no facilities for anything. Um, but we were there. The first convention I went to was in our, it was in the public library in Pocatello, Idaho. And so uh, no bar, yep. um, no dealer's room yep. because, well, they had all the books right there for free. Um and it, it was there because I talked people into it, and we had like <laughs> you. Deep, you made it happen. Yeah, yeah that's you me. You don't buy the books because you want to read them. You buy the books because you want to have them. <laughs> True. Good point. Well, I've learned that. I used to, you know, I had the library right there, but it was I wanted to get like-minded people in town. I wanted to meet them. We play, We had a dungeon. I I developed a Dungeons and Dragons tournament that went really really well. Um, you know things like that. But it was again. I wanted to get like-minded people together. We didn't have a guest of honor. Okay, it was a it was entirely fan convention, and it was lovely when we had like two or three of those. Well, there's there's things like Tacticon out in Denver was uh, where all about board gaming and miniature okay. gaming. Sure. And so it, it literally yeah. was going in and trying, and all. It was a place, honestly, for some of the vendors in that case to come out and say. Hey, I've made a new game. You're gonna, you know, I've we've test played amongst ourselves. Uh, right. We had Dave Be Speakman on last week on the topic yes, of did. new games they developed. But new games, you know, coming out. And yeah. do you want to try these? And I, of course, always bought games out of it. And then one of the first places that I ever met writers was at Once Upon a Con, which was a LARPing convention of all things. For you might have to explain LARPing to LARPing, our LARPing, live action role playing group. So it was International Fantasy Gaming Society, uh, referred to and uh, based on the books of Dream Park by Larry Niven and uh, Stephen Barnes. Okay. And so there, people decided they were going to do foam sword, you know, ear and tail, whatever you wanted to do. Uh, LARPing of running all over the mountains and hitting people with swords. What and there was a convention. Tail? Ear and tail, costumes. Put on your costumes. You're an elf, you're an orc, you're a whatever. You're a <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's. So there's a great picture, you know, of me with bat wings and a scorpion tail also and a lot the of makeup. trophy, if you kill it, you get both ears and the tail. It, it's true. It's a trophy hunting thing. But that was where <laughs> I actually, for the first time, met 
Steve Bruce, and right. I was where I met Jim Butcher. That was where I met Larry Niven. And I did not know these people did that thing. Well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> see, I can, it, I can see. It. We did it. Steve and Bruce has worn my clothes. He may not remember it, but there was a midnight <laughs> and game. And that's not creepy at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it, I had a friend who did that with Mile Hycon as well, and she always worked on the art okay. area. Yeah. And so the art is another reason that people go, the opportunity to see the art and purchase art and be part of art. Yes. So there can uh, be a lot of things. There are, there are a lot of things. Um, there, yeah, there are panels, there is the art show, there is the dealer's room, all of these things. But they are adjacent to the fact that most people who go to conventions go to see other people who go to conventions. Um, there is this whole thing about um relationships friendships i mean i have been friends with um numerous british people for 30 years because we meet at conventions we never meet outside conventions i mean fortunately we these days we have the internet which keeps us in touch and and develops those friendships um outside in physical meeting but we didn't used to have that arguably <laughs> yeah um, and this is, I mean, this is, I, I swear, this is what conventions are all about, yeah. is maintaining the social relationships and seeing people who you only ever see. I mean, I have, um, Fran Dowd, John Dowd, these are people I've known for 30 years. And apart from the fact that John came to dinner at our house because he was in the area last year, um, we've never met outside conventions. And I love that. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, the thing is that we we have today um, that, you know, we're, we've quickly taken uh, or we've quickly become accustomed to um, being able to send email, looking on Facebook, doing all this stuff. Used to be people typing on on whatever that paper is called that you type it and then you can make dittos out Carbon of it. Carbon paper. Carbon paper. Thank you. See that from the yeah. ancient, ancient days. But things that people have always done... The yes. equivalent. They've always yes. done keeping my, in touch with other fans. My 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 first contact with fandom because like I I was not a fan in the sense of being in fandom. I was a fan in the sense that I just read science fiction novels. I had no idea that fandom existed um, yep. until I encountered it when I was what nineteen. I, um, I I have to say this was one that I came to later because right. they had fan guests of honor. For the last 10 years, I have wondered what the heck it was. What? Because I didn't know. Yeah, because I, sure. I had missed fanzines yeah. and letter zines right. and all of, the other, yeah. all of the other zines that, that Dave told us about before. Yeah. Like, wow, right. that that's where they come from. Oh, they're people who do that and yes. actually send out the physical letters and, mm -hmm. and newsletters yeah. and such. Uh, my so, my, my yeah. first encounter with fandom was um, the BSFA, British Science Fiction Association, Um which was, you know, it was a fan-run organisation. And they sent out a newsletter from Reading. And I lived in Oxford, and they needed people. That's Reading, England. Reading, Reading England. California. Yes, 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 yes. Anybody was listening. Also Oxford, England, which is actually quite close to Reading, England. Right. Um, and they needed people to go and help them collate and envelope the newsletter. So I would every month I would take a train down to Reading and we would spend an evening walking around a table assembling pieces <laughs> of paper and stapling them together and putting them in envelopes and it was lovely. And yeah, I mean I got to spend the evening talking to people who did what I did, who read books. 
that I read. Yeah, I just, I, there's part of me that's a little mournful that I missed that part of it, that Absolutely. I didn't know it really existed yeah. in terms of just, oh, there's newsletters, because the SCA, I was, I was a chronicler for a local newsletter, so, you know, this is what's happening in our local Shire yeah. going up, and yeah. I kind of knew they existed for other things, but the idea that you could just get on a random newsletter was, was I'd never heard of it, and so I would have enthusiastically been much more a part of such things. <laughs> well, well I, I grew up in Pocatello, Idaho, which is yeah. the, As you keep saying. the middle of nowhere. <laughs> We're sorry. And, uh, I did, the first convention I went to was SaltCon in Salt Lake City. Okay. Um, which is actually kind of cool. I met yeah. George Takei, who, who, who... Okay, that is actually quite cool. He's yeah. my hero. And he's, that is continually cool, you know. I mean, yeah. There are some things that could have been cool then, but would no longer be cool now. But that is, that is freaking awesome. Well, I also met... Finish. <laughs> yeah, I also never. Met, I also met Orson Scott Card, which is less cool these days. Well, the thing is that, that was back yeah. when he was a real person. Yeah. Okay. This is before he had the disabled child. He was a real person, and he was funny and interesting. Robert Heinlein was there, but I didn't actually get to meet him. But um, but he was there, and uh, Jerry Pornell, okay. who um, when I encountered him earlier in the convention was friendly and nice and sweet, mm -hmm. and I encountered him later in the convention. And he was a jerk, and it turns out, oh yeah, guess when he started drinking during the day. So anyway, okay. but uh, so I so I was able to do that. I went to Salt Cons twice, and but and and they had things like you know a D and D tournament, and they had you know um, they had panels and stuff. But I really didn't know what I was doing. I was there with my best friend. Oh, by the way, we came home from that. <laughs> we came home from that, and my best friend. So, and it turns out that. That DeForest Kelly's aunt and uncle lived in Pocatello, Idaho, and he was there visiting Chaz, them. I take it back. Cut her off. <laughs> Never. He was there visiting them. We're medicine. And my best spider. friend, my best friend's mother, called them up and said, "Do you mind if Karen and Tracy come by and meet DeForest Kelly?" So I met him in a um, in a trailer in a trailer park, uh, and and oh, he seemed very very tall. And magnificent, and was so kind and so sweet. So I met Aww. George Decay and DeForest Kelly in in the middle, you know, in my middle of nowhere life. Just <laughs> around. anyway, sorry, I did go off the rails. I apologize. No, it's beautiful, and 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 that's what I mean by saying to bring it back around. That, yeah, I think it does sometimes matter who's there to show up because if it was just a con of us sitting around in a bar, well, there's a few of us diehard bar flies that would go, but. It might not be somewhere. Somebody has to say, "Oh, Chaz Brenchley's going to be there." Yeah, oh, um, okay, I, 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 you know, I, yeah. I don't think you're right, Jeannie. I love you, but I don't think you're right. I'm um, comfy with that. Okay. Um, I think that, I mean, conventions happen, and it helps, of course, that we can sign up big names just to come um and that's the the other lovely thing about it is that nobody gets paid for this it's not like <coughs> dragon con or comic con that's true um yeah I, I, the guests of honor won't have to pay for their airfare or or, or the hotel that'll be covered but um apart from that everybody pays to be you know i mean i i have never been comped to a to a convention. I'm just pointing out, I have never been a guest of honor at a convention. What are you thinking of, people? Um. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I, there was a horror con that I used to go to, and you should have entirely been and done the midnight reading at horror con. Absolutely. Let me tell you, that was... And maybe that's the thing that I liked about the different cons, is finding the soul of that particular convention. Yes. Right. And at horror con, it was... 
you get your pillow and your blankie and you put your jammies on and you go down and you get read a bedtime story. Jane <laughs> I, I Nolan did. used to do that. She used to. Yeah. She used to. Yeah, but she. I mean, more Sherry Tepper for me or or no, Chaz. I, 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 yeah. I did. I did. I did a midnight reading at a convention in the UK with Ramsey Campbell. Right. Me and Ramsey. Yeah. That was freaking awesome. Oh yeah. Um, and everybody was shaking when they left. And I'll need links to that story, too. Okay. We're going to put links to all the interesting things we mentioned on this website, which is www.ridersdrinkingcoffee.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. We answer email. Please, we beg of you, come email us so that we can have an episode of just reading our mail sometime. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Georgia McGaffey-Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Maid Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Engberg. You can hear more from Michael Engberg on ManyHatsMusic.com. Our podcast sponsor is Jackal Designs, enabling you to buy all the cool writers drinking coffee swag you possibly want. (laughs) 